Okay, that was uh, Audrey by Birthing Hips. Uh, speaking of, of hips that are going to give birth, Joe, um, you are uh, going to stand around uselessly while your wife delivers a life into the world soon. Um, and I know that you love music like I do. And so just as I named my son Gavin after Gavin Rossdale, um, <laughs> I'm sure you're thinking about Swallowed. which musician... <laughs> i'm sure you're thinking about which musician would be most appropriate to name your son after um so uh i don't know do you have any ideas uh well first off i won't be standing around uselessly i will be offering words of encouragement um which will distract uh-huh. my wife while she tells me to shut the fuck up uh, uh-huh. and that's a valuable <laughs> that's- service fair point fair point um uh, becoming as much of an object of abuse as you can yes is, um, uh, a good a good dutiful thing to do so i'm trying to think of some good indie rock names uh i think one that comes to mind is uh yankee hotel gallagher <laughs> <laughs> um, but you have to say it like the vocal sample like yankee hotel gallagher <laughs> um uh i think um naming him after me but jo- like joseph ocean gallagher or <laughs> something along those line uh lines um uh paul do you have do you, does one pop to your mind um hmm let's see uh uh i think you definitely need to get wolf in there which i guess is actually a real name so this isn't even a funny joke because you could just name him uh, wolfgang gallagher which would be wolf. awesome so like wolf beach gallagher <laughs> there you go. blood wolf beach yes gallagher. yes um lcd gallagher system <laughs> That's that's really the best. Um, just whatever you do, uh, make sure that you get that signed while your wife is still knocked out on yes. painkillers and you're golden. I think, um, okay, so I, I think Big Boy Gallagher is a good name. Mm. <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm going to call him. Yeah, but. I mean, that's fantastic. Um, <laughs> and I also think that if, you know, you, were, you liked a band and not just, um, you know, a, mu- a musician – you know, like the White Stripes, you could uh, name the child Jack and Meg Gallagher. <laughs> Not only is that uh, uh, thematically appropriate for your life, Joe, but it is ultimate wokeness. Yes. Um, and there's, there, yeah, there can the, be no gender conflict there. There's some obvious choices like, uh, you know, Ghostface Killer, Jay-Z Gallagher. <laughs> but yeah, that seems too easy. Yeah, um, I mean, I would... I was naming my uh, Final Fantasy characters Snoop Dogg and Tupac back in the 90s. This mm-hmm. is a, a 20-year-old thing just adopting gangster rap names. Yeah, I, I mean, right. I named the the fish in my junior uh, year apartment Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre. Uh, they died quickly. Um, <laughs> poor guys. Um, yeah. Uh, th- how about, and you will know us by the trail of Gallagher. <laughs> it's good because it implies that he'll be a slug. Yes, um, I can't gri- grizzly bear Gallagher. Uh, there's a lot of See, choices. There you might you might actually be determining his sexual choices a little too true. With true grizzly bear Gallagher. I, the obvious one is um, Kid A. 
like Kid <laughs> A. Gallagher. That's just mm. just shut it down. That's his name. We're I think here. the the right the problem with this is that I'm not that turned off by these names. I'm like, this is cool. <laughs> I mean, there must be some kids named Kid A out there, um, for sure. Somebody has Kid done A that. or just Kid A, all one yeah. word. Kid A. That's a. It's an Australian <laughs> name. <laughs> um, uh, Sebastian Bell Gallagher. Uh, do you know i'm still mad that it turns out there's nobody named bell or sebastian in that band like i just found that out last year paul that's because they're they're named after uh some twee pop culture reference that Mm. i I don't um uh i i don't understand yeah Um, well but maybe your new child will make you twee enough it's a oh it's a french novel about a six-year-old boy that is so twee. So that is the tweeest twee. <laughs> twee Gallagher is not bad. Uh, not bad. But he'll, it, it he'll also be just that. works as a baby nickname. Yeah. You know. You know oh, the... oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, Continue was, your baby I, talk. Scottish I, I baby was, talk. I was just saying, oh, the Twee Gallagher. That's all. It was, it's it's a good it one. Was, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, um, hot hot chip Gallagher. That works. <laughs> that does work uh what is another uh mm, you know i don't know yeah. i think i think actually the ultimate thing you could have done to tie him into your music indie music taste though was to uh travel to and bear him in iceland uh yes you're really fucking he, i mean i brought him to iceland he was in my uh poor suffering sick wife while we went oh, on he? our ill-planned honeymoon there <laughs> So was it just you getting smashed on uh, liquor store I, vodka in the hotel room every to, night while to, she sat there sad? Well, it was an Airbnb, lovely Airbnb. And to her credit, okay. after uh, she rallied and we explored the second half of the trip, but there was one day where I was wandering Reykjavik alone and ended up in um, the most hipster beer bar I've ever been in, just drinking <laughs> beers that i think cost like 16 dollars each but yes. were really good just like well i'm here this is cool <laughs> yep the uh the 16 dollar beer always sounds like a good idea uh for approximately 20 minutes uh after you have drunk it i have no regrets i mean i, I think um uh i don't have that 16 dollars anymore so you know i just i just spend it on two beers now three beers uh, <laughs> that's 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 uh a a good reason not to have spent it but anyway um you know girl it's easier with a girl it's like robin missy elliott yoshimi it curious that you chose uh uh, unisex names for the first two interesting i guess i'm more woke than (laughs) you might think Gallagher and with me as always uh, the acting attorney general of the United States Paul McLeod. <laughs> Joe my world is on fire how about yours? 
Uh, my world is an ice cold rock, all life having been decimated from it um, mm. because uh, white Americans were mad. Well, there are uh, there are worse alternatives than um, the total end of all suffering. So um, I, I think we should look into this as a national policy. Yeah. Uh, for n- <laughs> uh, you know, I, I could only hope. Uh, that um, before the world goes extinct, uh, that the last music played is uh, our our greatest song, our greatest work. Uh, yeah. Uh, I couldn't agree more, Joe. That's why we're here to discuss not only that song, but the uh, the endless, the endless, uh, uh, how would I put it? It's as a, as a jewel cutter, takes a rough diamond and uh, transforms it with skill, patience, and attention into a truly beautiful and stunning work of art. So have the various uh, remix, remix internet personalities of our own day taken this song and given us uh, new ways to appreciate its multifaceted brilliance. Um, so uh, I think we should sh- share one with the people, Joe. Uh, yes, Paul. Uh, it it is time. In case the world ends during this podcast, let at it. At least they'll have heard that. Yes. <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast now, uh, the world has already ended. That just happened during a recording, but. Um... Somebody once told me the world is gonna roll me. I ain't the sharpest tool in the shed. She was looking kind of dumb with her finger and her thumb in the shape of an L on her forehead. Well, the years start coming and they don't stop coming. Fed to the rules and I'll hit the ground running. Didn't make sense not to live for fun. Your brain gets smart, but your head gets dumb. So much to do, so much to see. So what's wrong with taking the back streets? You'll never know if you don't go. You'll never shine if you don't glow. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get Joe, I feel aesthetically cleansed. How about you? Uh, Paul, legend has it that the man who can listen to that version of the song all the way through is strong enough to rule the world. (laughs) I I think we have our fullest explanation yet for Steve Bannon. Yes. Um, He is top scientist studying how (laughs) he can possibly make it to the end. It's sort of like the uh, the words that uh, uh, Ash has to say in uh, Army of Darkness. That is the equivalent of that song, I think. Um, but really, Joe, this song speaks to me. Um, we all know All Star. It's become you know one of the foundational texts of modern American society. But uh, I think that version with every instrument playing a different tempo. Uh, really speaks to me as I look out into the world and see every demographic in our society sort of moving along at its own pace and disagreeing about where we're going. 
Um, so uh, uh, I can't I can't think, but that is uh, really probably should be our next national anthem. Um, why uh, it? There's no song more guaranteed to stoke rage into people uh, <laughs> than an off-tempo version of All Star, and that's really fitting for our country right now. Um, I, I can imagine blaring that through football stadium loudspeakers where it's also echoing around the stadium so you're getting different points of the off-tempo song at different times <laughs> um and you you start to lose any grip on reality um uh, and that's really what we need right now <laughs> just we've definitely been too attached to our reality i think i think seeing an entire stadium of people driven to murder each other via sonic stimulus would be um Again, cleansing is the word that comes to mind. Um. <laughs> it would. It would prove the power of music uh, in a way that I never wanted to, uh, but <laughs> could not help but celebrate. Um, <laughs> you know, as I shout, I was right, as I, I was right, as I was um, clubbed to death with those, uh, you know, noisemaker balloons that they give out <laughs> at basketball games. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, Joe, there's another version of this song, though, that I think uh, may also be appropriate for our times. Yes, much, much like the Etudes by Chopin, uh, the songs, the melody's brilliance is really brought out as you listen to uh, the different variations. Yeah. So uh, now we'll see one with a a little bit of uh, lyrical innovation, I think. Uh, All right. Now... So here we go with that. Somebody, 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 Uh, a work of minimalist genius, Joe. Every word is the word somebody, and yet it still speaks to us. Uh, pretension, 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 <laughs> pretension, 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 better than Ezra, pretension, pretension. Fair, 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 fair. <laughs> Gag got old fast. Gag got old fast. Gag got old fast. Um, All right, we'll play. (laughs) 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 This this song is awesome. I uh, (laughs) never had something so stupid brought me so much joy. Uh, Uh, Let's do one more time. We got to do one more. I think I think Joe, the one with the real uh, melodic innovations, is the one we have mm, to go for here. I agree. All right, here we go. 
All-Star, one more time, like you've never heard it before. Somebody once told me the world is gonna roll me. I ain't the sharpest tool in the shed. She was looking kind of dumb with her finger and her thumb in the shape of an L on her forehead. Well, the years start coming and they don't stop coming. Fed to the rules and I hit the ground running. Didn't make sense not to live for fun. Your brain gets smart but your head gets dumb. So much to do, so much to see, so much wrong with thinking the back streets. You'll never know if you don't go. You'll never shine if you don't glow. Oh my, um, Joe! Every note in that song that he sang was the the note C, and uh, I this is not even a pretentious joke opinion. I think it might actually be better than the original that way. Paul, I completely agree. Uh, I was gonna say that I weirdly like this. Uh, it's it's dark and uh, sounds like it's some weird band is jamming it at the end of. Uh, another song i i I just i can't describe it but it it appeals to me i get into the droning rhythm (laughs) absolutely i mean it's not that far away from a rap song at that point um yeah but uh (laughs) it's a meditation it is a meditation on however many fucking hertz the note c is um which the video on YouTube has a little constant sine wave distortion they've added to it to uh, signify, to g- offer a visual companion to the uh, to the sonic one. And uh, I hope that the the period of that sine wave distortion is in fact the uh, same frequency as the note C because that would be genius by whoever did that. Um, so anyway, this one probably wasn't too hard to make, but like the other two probably exist because the uh like stems of the song are available as part of guitar hero or rock band i was going to ask you the same question i was guessing that yeah as well. that's a lot so of guess- these uh youtube videos that do this sort of thing are because of um games where they uh pulled that stuff out uh and made the um the the backing tracks so if the person playing rock band fucked up like the bass, it would like drop out. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's uh, a, <laughs> that it, it speaks to uh, uh, <laughs> just how creative people are that uh, something as dumb as, um, well, not dumb. Rock band is a fun game, uh, but uh, the, just the, the sort of, exigencies of creating a game like that created this opportunity for people to turn all-star into this sort of dada uh, artifact that is um pretty much way more delightful this way than it ever was the first time around totally totally um it's good to be uh reacquainted with our old secondary villain smash mouth uh frequently cited for their role in um uh 
CD shops declaring the end of our fruitless search for a rare Smashing Pumpkins album. <laughs> totally uh, true. When you, when you got to Smash Mouth, you knew yes. it was over. Also, radio DJ saying, like, and next we're going to play some Smash Mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. Um, well, Paul, do you have any closing thoughts on why uh, Smash Mouth has uh, achieved such critical acclaim? It is a good question. I mean, or not critical uh, acclaim, uh, uh, such a becomes such a um, a substrate for genius. Yes, um, uh, uh, such a path breaking meme. Yeah, um, you know, first of all, uh, I think it, I think the song hits that perfect sweet spot of being catchy but also dumb as hell um in that uh and and was just big enough of a hit that everybody who was like seven or older at that time is probably can probably remember that song um right because uh i mean i remember when it first came out i was like yeah you know for a dumb pop rock radio song uh this is kind of catchy and then i heard it 80 million times um it was only surpassed uh, it was not surpassed probably until uh, This Is How You Remind Me by Nickelback. Wow. Uh, in terms of just sheer times that was bombarded against my eardrums in public. Um, so uh, I got sick of it. But uh, with a little distance, I can remember the part where it was uh, not exactly filling, but like eating half a Twinkie, you know, sort of right. half enjoyable. Uh, is is All Star – wait, is um – is uh, Marcy Playgrounds uh, Sex and Candy the Thinking Man's All Star? That might be. I actually like Sex and Candy, so it took possibly. me a while. I think I only started started liking it like last year. It took me like solid twenty years <laughs> to be like, yeah, oh, this this isn't annoying. I liked it at the time. I even like the other Marcy Playground song, Saint oh, Joe. Wow, that's a <laughs> deep cut. Um, <laughs> This uh, is this is something that you had to have been exactly my age to have to have any chance of remembering that song. It's like if you remember the other Sponge song besides Sixteen Candles, um, whose name I of course now conveniently forget, but is good. And of course, Sixteen Candles is called Molly. Fuck, I just <laughs> fuck that all up. Um, but uh, I would say that All Star. Um, is uh joe by the way i totally do know another sponge song oh hell yeah wax ecstatic there you go that's it um i actually remember that one better for whatever reason i heard it more times on the radio anyway go on um so i think plowed is the other one i was thinking of um Mm. so i think all-star has come back into relevance um for the reason that we all kind of acknowledge now how bad it was and we want to talk about how awkward it is that we all everyone liked it sort of in the Mm -hmm. way that um like tainted love or um maybe less uh obviously a song like uh white towns your woman uh, Mm -hmm. which is really i could do a whole episode on what a perfect jam that song is but i love that song oh god it's (laughs) so good um uh i even i was composing a tweet storm about it uh, there may be a tweet storm about um joe i want your your <laughs> i could never be your woman tweet storm um so follow us at savage beast pod on twitter uh f- <laughs> for when we release that uh a hot stream of thoughts um so i think that all star 
we just want to talk about these songs from our past that we collectively share as either mm-hmm. a good or a bad memory. And All Star is a bad one. And now we're just all enjoying making fun of how stupid we were for liking it. <laughs> and f- through the magic of the internet and technology, we can do so in ways uh, that are would be incomprehensible to our ancestors. Absolutely. Um, it's it's truly, truly glorious. Um, what would be another song from that era that, I mean, like, was All Star the only choice or was there something else that could have could have become our all-star i can't think of anything off the top of my head that's a great question i'm i'm pretty bad at um yeah picking songs it was released uh a day before my birthday in 1999 um and i, I just don't yeah. i can look up the year-end chart for the u.s for um i mean it helps that they were like a two-hit wonder because they had that other song walking on the sun before this right and then and then the lead singer sort of half tried to become a reality star so they became a joke because of that like very shortly after this and yeah that that all probably helps make this the true avatar of late 90s so shittiness. what what type of song were you looking for from 1999 that could have rivaled this you were looking for songs that were this bad or songs that well so they would better. have to be s- songs that were catchy and memorable okay but bad and not attached to such a big artist that it's the the, the, the well, artist has to be small enough that this bad song can define them okay i'm gonna i'm gonna give you some some options that i'm gonna i'm gonna get rid of the pop the like straight pop songs we're not interested in shares okay. b- shares believe or no yeah. scrubs um there's uh six pence none the richer's kiss me uh, mm-hmm. Sugar Ray's Every Morning. Oh, that's see that. Could there totally you go. Have been it. <laughs> uh, we also have Goo Goo Dolls Slide. Uh, yeah, they had a few singles, but they, they those Billboard they weren't so much catchy as sort of like wrist slitting light. Billboard claims all those songs were more popular than All Star. Um, that's funny. Nineteen ninety nine. Uh, Maybe in the year, but not. Not in the years after, I don't feel like. Uh, you know, afterwards, it, uh, the first song, uh, num- All-Stars number 17, number 22 on the list, Eagle Eye Cherry, Save Tonight. Now that's a jam. Mm. That is a jam. That's a jam. Hell yes. That is a jam. Um, <laughs> and also Pearl Jam's Last Kiss, making it to the top 25. Uh, I don't know that song. I don't even know what that song sounds like. Oh, where, oh, where can my baby be? Oh, that one, yeah. Lord, I totally took her that. away from me. <laughs> so their their cover of whatever fifties song that yeah, was, exactly. Last Kiss, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Um. So, uh, All Star. Hey, yeah. hey, now. <laughs> it, it, it happened. Uh, in closing, we should hail uh, All Star for. Having such easily sex-parodied uh, chorus lyrics that it almost seems like that's what they were going for. With the, uh, hey, now you're a porn star. Get your heart on. Get laid. Wow. Wow. Almost as easy as Aladdin's A Whole Nude World. <laughs> almost. I'm I'm not going to sing any of the lyrics I remember from that song because this is a family podcast. It may be that might, may not be the first time we've discussed a whole nude world in the <laughs> short run of our podcast. 
quite possibly not but it gets dirtier from there so uh <laughs> stop yes um paul we my sister listens to this uh well martha don't look up the lyrics to a whole nude world um paul your your other sister had a list on facebook we can cut this part it it this may only be entertaining to me and she had all these she listed all the care like this is like list of 20 questions you answer about your siblings and oh, yeah, she, yeah, yeah. she listed you as the smart one and <laughs> as i thought of that i was like wow I, I just thought of you doing any of the like 20 dumb things i've seen you do just being <laughs> like i'm the smart one <laughs> They call me the smart brother. Uh, I have no comeback at all. Lordy. It was, it's well burned. Sizzle. Um, okay. We came here to talk about music that doesn't suck as well. Mm-hmm, we did. And uh, why don't we play the people a song, Joe? Okay. Um, are we playing the old song or the new song first? I, I don't know. We didn't even discuss this. <laughs> We're going to cut this. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, so let's play something from Loveless, which I feel like is the actual main subject. Yes, of this conversation. totally. Um, um, well, I, I'd go with... Why don't... Go, you go for yeah, it. Yeah, go ahead. No, pick one. No, I want you, I want you to, Joe. <laughs> okay. Uh, I would go with uh, I Only Said. Okay. We'll do that. Okay. I only said uh, off my bloody Valentine's uh, classic album, Loveless. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we're here to talk about that album, Joe. Uh, why don't you talk about why you like that song so much for a sec, if you can, please? Sure. Um, uh, I came to this album um, not through uh, super hipster connections. Uh, but through um, one of my three favorite movies of all time, um, Lost in Translation, uh, where uh, I believe the song Sometimes uh, is played. Um, and I really liked it, and I uh, started listening to this album 
uh, in college. Very, very much a album that a uh, guy listens to alone in his dorm room in college. Um, and so this song, I only said, I think, uh, that I, I picked this song because, you know, it, it exemplifies the 10 out of 10, uh, just stunning, gorgeous, uh, immersive guitar sound, uh, uh, that this whole album has uh, it's almost the it's like the ultimate poem of to to me distorted guitars um, <laughs> and I, I think that the um, you know the they're used in a way that the sound of the distortion um, that that disruptive uh, melodic static uh becomes the music itself uh in a way that i i just want uh from songs a lot i i enjoy that experience and i think that it's not necessarily well it's it's just a certain thing that i seek out in music it, it might be one of the things that when i come and looking for like a sound um i am looking uh for that guitar tone this like dreamy wash Mm -hmm. um and i i wrote that um you know you you in the end you get captured in each cross section of the music and you in some way forget the song as a whole and you're just there following what's happening right then um even as it goes back to the main theme even as different sounds come in and out um you know it's it's um uh this you know i'm gonna use the word immersive again totally immersive journey (laughs) um and i think that unlike uh you know this is obviously meant to like sort of the masterpiece of shoegaze um and uh unlike uh other shoegaze albums uh this album features um you know interesting vocals and um the rest of the band uh you know brings it and it's it's a it still then when you pull back um you know it's full of really good songs um so yeah, that's that's why I like it, and uh, this turned into a bit of a mini essay. But definitely, this, <laughs> this time listening to it, I realized it, I hadn't. I don't think I actually even admitted to myself how much I like this album. But I, I really um, kind of was like, yes, this is this is one of my favorite albums, uh, in maybe the favorite album I have that I've listened to the least. <laughs> um, well, Joe, it's okay for you to admit that you like Loveless. Um especially because I'm out here not especially understanding what's supposed to be so incredible about it for both of us. Um, so that's why we're having this conversation right. is because I've had a, uh, uh, a longstanding inability to appreciate Loveless is how I'll put it. Because, um, you know, uh, Loveless is one of those things, or My Bloody Valentine is one of those bands. I think I, the first time I must have heard about them was like reading – like uh articles about the smashing pumpkins in the 90s where they were right 
frequently and correctly cited as a major influence on the sound of particularly Siamese Dream. Mm-hmm. Um, with I think, the huge, yeah. I think both, <laughs> huge, yeah, both Billy and Butch Vig are, were fans. Yeah. And it, I mean, the album was mixed by Alan Mulder, who engineered Loveless. So, um, right. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there's no, there's no question about that. Um, so that's where I first heard the name My Bloody Valentine, which is a great band name. Um, and um, then it being the '90s, and as we discussed on a recent episode, it being uh, nigh impossible for somebody without their own independent income to uh sample all the music they might be interested in sampling i never listened to loveless until i bought a used copy of it in like 2004 or something okay um probably like literally the same time i started listening to them yeah and uh i don't know if it was by then or not but then pitchfork with their lists which we've talked about uh how um how influential their lists are uh you know, say what you will about Pitchfork. They are, uh, they have a history of taking modern music, pop music, more seriously than just about any other publication does um, that has any, you know, attention paid to it anyway. So, anyway, they released their best albums of the 90s list. I can't find quickly when that was released, but uh, it definitely caught my attention when Loveless was number two on that list um, behind OK Computer and ahead of. Uh, such things as uh, in the aeroplane over the sea, um, which is cra- that's so- crazy. It's also crazy <laughs> that they, um, yeah, for Pitchfork even that they put that ahead of um, Crooked Rain and Slanted and Enchanted. Wow, I don't think it's that crazy. I mean, it, it's, it's not crazy, but like I think that's how people it do reveal something. Yeah, yeah, that might yeah, be a little it- high for me. We could, uh, I'll let you finish, but uh, yeah, that well, might be a little high. Yeah, so it might be a little high for you, but like that's that's an accurate representation of the indie scene's estimation of the album, or yeah. at least you know within the margin of error. Right. Um, <laughs> I'm pulling back from arguing about like now that I have the like Pitchfork top albums of the '90s list, I'm like, let's go through all 100. Yeah. Well, <laughs> do you agree with me that the Soft Bulletin is sort of eh? Yeah, that's a tough choice for number three. And to say the soft bulletin is better in the airplane over the sea is just wrong. That's yeah, that's flat that's, out wrong. That's crazy. Only crazy someone talk. if only if your Flaming Lips were literally your favorite band would that be true. And hey, I, I that's I okay. That's okay. I actually, you know, uh, Flaming Lips have released three third albums I really like, so that's great for them. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, I like them better now than I ever have. Um, so. Anyway, um, the point is there were a lot of obvious reasons why uh, this album would appeal to me. Not only the general fact that people who like the music I like like this album and people who make the music I like like this album, um, but also just the descriptions of it as this sort of intense, over-the-top, crazy, innovative uh, wall of guitar sound is... Um, that's what I want. Give that to me. Um, so I was, uh, I was pumped when I finally found a used copy in 2004 and started listening to it. Um, and then I discovered that it just really didn't do anything for me, uh, hardly at all. And, uh, I couldn't figure that out at first and I sort of stopped trying too much. It's not like I listened to it 10 times. Um, and so, yeah, uh, you know, I wanted to like this 
band in this album so much that when uh, the self-titled MBV came out, I guess that's kind of self-titled, when the Comeback album came out uh, four years ago now, um, I bought it without even listening to it first, which I almost never do just because everybody said it was great. And (laughs) again, My Bloody Valentine seems like the kind of thing I would love. Uh, And that sort of had the same effect on me too, although... Um, after this experience, I think I'll go back and give another chance of just um, being a little underwhelmed. So what I would say is not that I think Loveless is bad or anything. Uh, I am possibly with the exception of Loomers, which I think is sort of, or Loomer, which is sort of a, a little slow. Um, I'm rarely like uh, having a bad time listening to this album, but it's just not the kind of thing where I would say like, this is one of the landmark pieces of art in this uh, whole genre for all time which is basically what the critical consensus is mm-hmm. as far as i can tell yes um yeah I yeah would, <laughs> it's like you know like if i if you just if i had never heard of it and if nobody had ever heard of it and it was just like this is the new album being reviewed this week and i listened to it and be like yeah that's pretty good um but uh for a while i couldn't get anything out of it i will say um uh after this uh going through it listening to it uh, a few times in quick succession over the past few days um i definitely get more out of it now and i would definitely say the word definitely again um but i would certainly uh acknowledge that there are um a couple of really really great tracks uh specifically for me actually i only said doesn't quite get there for me but uh when you sleep yeah and sometimes what you mentioned earlier yeah. are both incredible songs and i think that's because they uh avoid one of the main things that i think is sort of weak about this album which is that the uh it's really and i think you said this and other things i've read said this it's really just about those guitar sounds for long mm-hmm. stretches of it um they're yeah are not a lot of there's not a lot of songwriting craft it's usually just like sort of riff verse chorus with the same riff and then you repeat that a few times like it's very basic song structures um which is fine but even within this each section there's not that much creative like uh melody with the vocals or mm-hmm. um chord progressions going on i mean sometimes but frequently not so I don't know that I think that's what I miss that causes me not to be sucked into this album as much as I feel like I should be for how much people love it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, you want, uh, you want the whole package in a significant other in terms of albums. You want the, you want the looks and the personality. (laughs) And this album is, it's all, it's looks, it's all looks. I mean, it's a, you know, 10 out of 10, um, in terms of aesthetics and then, um, but I understand. I mean, it, it's it the those sounds are not linked to amazing songs. Yeah, um, the songs are just sort of constructed to serve the uh, what you know the the perfect guitar tone that each one has. Yeah, as a table is to your steak, so are these songs to kevin shields uh distortion pedal board indeed um i like to eat my <laughs> steaks just with my bare hands straight from the straight from the grill but i i understand i understand the metaphor no you, you eat them no hands like a goddamn savage yes man. yes <laughs> call back 
Um, <laughs> yeah, your your uh, explanation um, makes sense, and uh, yeah. there's um, you could def. It's now you know we're a a long. This list of the best albums of the 90s that Pitchfork did came out in 2003, um, which is just impossibly long ago. And I think the critical consensus of a lot of bands have changed. And I would say that, you know, at that point, Loveless Kate was 12 years old. And so there was uh, a lot more distance from that than there was from something like An Airplane Over the Sea yeah, or Built to Spill or I don't know, not to make the whole thing about the list, but I, I think that that was... Looking back on the 90s from the early 2000s, this album uh, had uh, a benefit of seeming like uh, what was the beginning of many amazing band sounds. I mean, yeah, I, I th- don't know that which of those bands I just named had heard this, but I mean, I, I assume a lot of them. I mean, I assume that um, a lot of these people were actually cool enough to know someone who played them my bloody valentine um <laughs> like i bet steve malkmus had a friend who was like you gotta listen to this um um even if he didn't totally. like it he heard it um yeah and so that's really my question uh that i kept thinking about with this was like to me i agree the guitar sounds are pretty awesome um and uh i think you know the difference between us is you described sort of losing yourself in it and just sort of uh getting into like a little uh, psilocybin trip within each riff uh, mm-hmm. as you just absorb the texture, which is fine. Uh, I just don't find that that's what happens to me. Um, and um, so then, but you know, there are plenty of bands that have used these types of sounds to great effect later. Um, and, you know, from the people who the whole like little uh, gold rush of the shoegaze movement that came up after my bloody valentine's first album isn't anything that uh you know has a number of bands in it that are now considered uh classic giants uh, just because of what they did sort of following in the wake of my bloody valentine and then you know people like billy corgan who was decidedly not playing shoegaze but did um clearly study very closely how to make his guitars sound like two sledgehammers smashing into your ears simultaneously um so uh and a lot of that stuff i really like so my question is like how much should i revere this album for uh inventing a lot of things that i feel like a lot of people took and then uh not necessarily just copied but possibly perfected in large part by attaching them to better songs if you ask me you mean how oh well that's always been like this is the band that you know, spawned a hundred bands, you know, everyone with a good band listened to this band. Um, That's always been sort of a, um, a thorny problem since often the band being listened to is um, less accessible and perhaps um, more open to interpretation uh, than it really is to enjoyment. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, in this in this scenario, I would just sort of take the more practical route of, you know, saying it, it kind of, 
we've described it and it is what it is i mean it is Mm -hmm. these amazing guitar sounds it is these you know um kind of middle of the road alternative rock songs beneath them Mm -hmm. um and people in 1991 you know heard this or the previous albums and were like uh holy fucking shit yeah, and I can understand that at the time you would just be like, Jesus Christ, yeah. I did not know this was possible. That's a, Right, that's a big thing. I mean, you know, this comes, you're listening to this and, you know, next to Def Leppard um, or even, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and even next to um, other like really lo-fi indie rock bands. And this sounds so lush, like they had, you know, $10 million to make it. Um, yeah. Uh, that. Uh, you, you know the the financing of this album is actually a pretty interesting story as i discovered oh, in my research interesting i as usual i did no research other than listening to the album <laughs> well apparently you know it took two years to make right um and they had they had a long leash because isn't anything the previous album actually was by indie band standards a pretty big success mm. but they were on an indie label still and so they you know it was like two years it was one of these again billy corgan situations where kevin shields just started doing everything um and like uh uh googe the bassist says she eventually realized she wasn't really being asked to do anything and just sort of stopped coming to the studio um and uh so it was really just kevin shields plus then belinda who uh sang all the female parts and wrote uh, a lot of them too but um uh so they, but they worked on it off and on for two years and went around to 19 different studios and basically nearly bankrupted their label in the process <laughs> of just moving around to all these. The The Wikipedia article is full of great anecdotes of like the 29 year old guy run, who's like running the, the equivalent of the COO of this label, just like, you know, having uh, a heart attack every day when he opens the mail because of all the creditors bills coming in and, um, uh, yeah, and then they released it, and it uh, only kind of did okay. So that's right. uh, commercially. So right, um, that's it's a great story. I feel like it's a classic story of indie labels in that time. Um, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, God bless them for putting up a quarter of a million pounds to release this uh, <laughs> incredibly uncommercial album. If you ask. Yeah. So what are your what are your final thoughts about um, about Loveless? Yeah. Um, well, I was just going to follow up a little bit on what you said earlier about um, uh, the difference between hearing it in 1991 and hearing it in 2004, like I did. Uh, first of all, I listened to it in my crappy uh, in my car on its crappy stereo system via CD, which I think this is one of those albums where the quality of the system you're listening on will make a gigantic difference. Yes. Um, another is it really does reward um multiple listens which is another thing i discovered but then also um you know what you were talking about with uh uh hearing it at the time you know i didn't hear this album until i had been listening to a band we talked about in our second episode morella's forest which is a christian pop rock band um (laughs) but on their first two albums they basically you know did attached shoegaze um guitar sounds uh to pop you know quick catchy pop rock songs in a way that i still find totally delightful to to such an extent 
uh, is the sound copied that when I first heard My Bloody Valentine, I was like, oh, that's what they're doing this whole time on Rails Forest. I had no idea that that's where this was from. Uh, it was unmistakable as soon as I listened to it. But uh, nonetheless, despite the fact that I already was exposed to those sounds and liked them, or maybe because of that, uh, getting back to them in their original context just couldn't do it for me as much anymore. But again, having said all that, uh, uh, there's nothing wrong with this album. And as I listen to it, uh, several times quickly here, I do find that I can sort of get into the somewhat tuneless sounds a little bit better. And then especially on those couple tracks I mentioned, um, that actually do have really good songwriting. Uh, those are, those could easily end up being some of my favorite songs of all time. Uh, well, that's quite, that's quite a leap. Um, uh, I would love to read a list of like albums like Loveless for every genre or era, like these albums that were sort of the formative albums for all the people making music. That'd be fascinating. Um, Yeah. I mean, does something like Muddy Waters count for blues rock or? Totally. Lightning Hopkins, you know, like the things that sort of, you know, uh, you know, jelly roll for the, for jazz, uh, um, but I can't think of his full name um, because, as I said, I've been infected by your disease where I cannot think of any <laughs> musicians, uh, names, their albums, names, uh, just Jelly anything. Roll the Jazz Guy. Just Google it. <laughs> there's, an al- there's an episode title. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, speaking, though, of people using uh, the tropes of Loveless uh, to uh, Je- <laughs> Jelly Roll Morton. <laughs> Uh, it's ah. important to pay tribute to Joel, Jelly Roll Morton, who really one of the most important musicians in uh, fucking American history. Uh, well, you have shamed me, for I have never heard of him. Uh, um, well, it's it, I'm sure you'll return the favor um, in due time. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, what were you going to say? I was going to say, let's uh, talk about one of these bands that is even today using the uh, loveless type uh, tropes, at least some of them, to produce good music. Um, with a J-Som, Turn In Two, who uh, is one of our sort of under-the-radar albums that we both liked from last year. Uh, yeah, Paul, uh, you pick the song. I will. I'm going to play Next To Me, which is track three. Ah, good choice.
All right, that again was uh, Next to Me by Jay Som off her album Turn Into from last year. And uh, I, my reaction to music like this, Joe, is a little conflicted because on the one hand, um, I can see that she's less original than Kevin Shields and less weird. Um, but on the other hand, I find uh, adding some really, really catchy songwriting and uh, uh, intelligible vocals um improves the product i don't know so i feel like a sellout for saying it but that's uh that's just what it does when i listen to it um interesting uh i would i would be interesting here hearing you elaborate a little more about what you like about ah. turn into well i mean so that song is uh i'll use that as just a stand-in for what i like about the album generally um but um, I mean, that's just a very uh, uh, just pop rock type of riff there at the beginning. Uh, it could almost be off of a Cars album, and uh, but then it's got the sort of effects that sound like Loveless, even though, as I understand it from my research, he did not use the classic um, uh, shoegaze flangers and choruses that were uh, they were famous for, and was proud of this fact. But anyway, nonetheless, however, they end up there. Uh, sounds sort of the same guitar tone wise um, not by any means as as in your face as cutting not as good in sound as loveless but um, uh, and to be honest uh, different enough that I didn't even occur to me that this was shoegaze music until you were like I can't believe you like Jason, but not Loveless. And I was like, actually, oh, yeah. <laughs> I said, Paul, I now believe you're gaslighting me about <laughs> Loveless because if you like Turn Into, you must like My Bloody Valentine. Yeah. Well, like I said, I think it comes down to just the the amount of uh, the amount that the dial is turned towards uh, uh, hooking the listener in with songwriting. And um, I don't know, there were like four or five clever catchy ideas in just that section we listened to that are largely absent from uh you know two-thirds of the tracks on loveless and that's that's really what it comes down to for me um so yeah yeah well um yeah i think this album is it's dream pop shoegaze and uh indie rock in equal measures um, mm. with a bit of that influence of psychedelic rock that I think actually influences um, all, all three of those genres. Um, and uh, you could definitely see in different sections, I think, you know, there's a song called Drown and, you know, uh, the song after it, Our Red Door. And I think there's a bit of like early pumpkins in that. There's other songs mm. that are clearly going for the loveless tone and then some that are more, just that um in that that dream pop sense which is you know kind of an interesting genre because it's really existed for um i think uh this probably it's like we're into its fourth decade of existence there were bands in the 80s that were definitely dream pop um and and it's still going strong now um because it's um oddly i guess it's sort of a rare choice for a band because it requires you know pulling pulling back so much um and uh i i to kind of respond to your uh feelings on you know the the what's the complexity of the songs but more the completion of the songs here Mm -hmm. uh drawing you in um that's a good way to put it by the way 
Thank you. Um, I would say that some uh, that lack of a master touch on the production, and indeed, when I was talking about that, like um, just noticeably lo-fi approach to it, where you can just kind of, to me, hear that a lot of the guitar sound, which is cool, is probably accomplished by like literally pressing the uh loveless button uh <laughs> you know in garage uh, garage band or you know you bought one of those uh pedals that's literally made um and I'm, I'm using the word literally literally it's it's made to sound like siamese dream um yeah i, I hear some of that here uh, and it's not a great i I like it. It's a great album. I listen. I've been listening to it a lot since you introduced it um, to me, uh, and um, because I like dream pop, shoegaze, indie rock, the bands that seem to influence um, JSOM, um, uh, I'm into this album. But um, I. I don't think we're actually trying to compare it to Loveless. Yeah, but that seems unfair to poor Jason. <laughs> that would be really unfair. But I, I guess I, you know, I would not knock it for being not knock it for being derivative because it's derivative um, in unique combinations throughout the songs uh, in ways right. that are really uh, rewarding. I love that kind of distant psychedelic basement sound. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it, it feels like it was, uh, it feels like things are a little far from the mic at times. Um, but I, I would, I would knock it for, um, uh, being at times too, uh, precious and too, um, too post, maybe too post punk. <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> that's okay. I, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. You I like didn't how I drew that out my, right at the end. I didn't bother to write down my rating of this on the post-punk scale. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, one thing you noted there is, um, you know, you wouldn't knock it for being derivative. Uh, that just goes along with, I guess, the main thing I came up with thinking about all this is just that originality in the end is a little bit overrated, if you ask me. True. Whereas true. execution is underrated. Um, so that's not that's a little bit facile. It's hard to take originality and totally separate it from execution because if you're not if you're executing something that's been, totally been done before, right? Uh, you're going to lack something. But um, still, uh, JSOM's album is well executed, and that enough uh, that is that's enough to get me to uh, to like it a lot. And I think you know again the um, the. Uh, I don't know that even I would say if I really thought about it, that turn into is a better album than loveless. It's just that, uh, nobody told me turn into was the second greatest album of the nineties. Um, good point. Good point. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah, uh, Jay Som, everybody should check it out. I plan to see her in a couple months here, uh, when she comes to Tucson. Um, and I believe, I believe she's playing uh, a day after, my kid is due to be born, so I think I won't be seeing her. Well, he might not be out yet. There you go. Um, possibly, possibly. Um, yeah. Just stay in there. Mom doesn't mind. <laughs> not at all. Um, Paul, we can cut this if the answer's no, but did you uh, happen to listen to the Cocteau Twins song? That I, I did. 
Um, uh, do you have any thoughts of it? Can we pl- can we play it? Can I can yeah, I give my it. thoughts? Okay. Yeah. Uh, this is Cherry Colored Funk by the Cocteau Twins. the cocteau twins uh off their album uh heaven or las vegas cherry colored mm-hmm. funk are they uh, identical or fraternal <laughs> they are um ethereal twins mm-hmm. the best kind um uh, don't <laughs> many times has that ended up in my Pornhub uh search box uh paul i forgot to say <laughs> that uh in our last episode we talked about um uh, the band uh, Mannequin Pussy, uh, and I just put that into Pornhub to see what would come up. And let me tell you, um, I saw some things, including uh, someone who seemed to be having uh, sex with the, uh, I guess the the puppet from Saw, Jigsaw. Ah, well, yeah. Um, I've never seen any of those movies, so. You know, uh, it was. Uh, I'll just, it was. I'll just picture whatever horrible thing I can. You, you would, you'd recognize this evil puppet. It was people having sex with evil puppets. Uh, fascinating. Um, mm. Anyway, um, I actually I brought this song up because I kind of wanted. Um, it's maybe one of my favorite songs that um, sort of is in the same uh, continuum of Loveless. Uh, it actually was recorded before that, but it was in that same shoegaze dream pop um, moment. The first time this music was really popular uh, in like 1990 uh, and uh, brought what I thought is a really beautiful song uh, to that sound, um, but much more on the pop side, much more where the production is creating you, you know, it's not, there's not the work of a guitar genius. It's just mm. a, a really uh, lush, um, uh, sort of slow moving, uh, gentle pop rock song uh, that I like. And that I think, um, you know, this kind of sound is maybe uh, a way that that era has survived more than in just the you know, jack off fantasies of, uh, alternative rock lovers, um, <laughs> and, and has kind of suffused through, uh, a ton of indie rock through, you know, a lot of pop, um, uh, this, this really like dreamy sound. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So this, uh, I, I'm totally into this. This is a great song. The, uh, 
the little uh, whatever the word for that is the chorus vocal melody um when they sort of go up to the highest registers is uh, got a little bit of sort of a soul thing going on that works really well in combination with the dream pop sounds and um again you know i like the sounds a lot and uh this combo also works great for me so um cocteau twins are one of those many many uh bands from a little before my time that i have never quite gotten around to fully exploring but uh i have known for a while that they should be and they will be they have so many albums like i said this is their sixth album and there's just a lot of different versions of them uh Mm. that it's it's hard to penetrate uh i I have listened to a fair bit of them this is their most popular and probably best song um as much as it pains me to think that someone will someday be thinking saying that about 1979 and the pumpkins <laughs> um, trying to get our 60 seconds of pumpkins talk total into this cast uh, <laughs> um, uh, if you look at the lyrics to this song uh they're fucking crazy uh Ooh. they don't they're just nonsense dada shit uh okay the opening lines are beetles and eggs and blues and pour a little everything else you steam a lens stable eyes and glass not get pissed off through my bird lips as good news mm-hmm. yes that's Speaks good <laughs> it's like that's good shit i that like was basically this. Uh, uh thursday around 3 p.m was uh <laughs> <laughs> how, how that, yep. part of my life most relevant to that yeah um so uh, yeah, good song. And I only uh, just to bring it back home. It's just uh, to me, I, I think uh, someone like Jay Som is ultimately going for this uh, mm-hmm. almost more than Loveless or. Oh, that, for sure. Yeah. Th- this is, you know, what they're looking for, that that dream pop sound uh, from the 80s and 90s that somehow lives, um, cohabitates with shoegaze. Um uh, in yeah. the way genres some sometimes do. Yeah, and um, I mean that's it's probably uh, somewhat of an art, something of an artificial distinction between the two. Um, I would imagine. Who knows? I wasn't there. Um, all right. Well, uh, I think we have decided that um, it is okay to like Loveless, which was an important mm. uh, discovery mm-hmm. for the music world. Yes, you're welcome, music world. Mm-hmm. Take it. Um, and uh, so, yeah, Joe, do you have any final thoughts before we uh, exhort everybody to support us? Uh, I do not. Uh, keep right. listening to good uh, guitar sounds. Yes. Listen to guitars. The Savage Beast motto. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so uh, as Joe mentioned earlier, you can follow us at Savage Beast Pod on Twitter. And then we also, of course, encourage everybody to check us out at SavageBeastPod.com. Email us, SavageBeastPod at gmail.com. And uh, rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. Basically, anything you can click on uh, on our iTunes page, you should click. Um, so we would really appreciate that. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll talk to you soon. I hope the world didn't end while you were listening to this podcast.